welcome back to another show of the cool 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 the if if for example if Mourinho had to be short in English he'd be Matinho over here that's who he'd be and obviously the Spurs, Spurs fan and then we've got none other than the reserve mascot for Arsenal the Dengasaurus Denga Bwonga sorry I actually said your name backwards Bwonga Denga welcome guys welcome oh, to the show what's How's happening what's happening hey exciting weekend football to digest exciting yeah, weekend yeah. I mean uh, Claudio you defied the odds eh you. Uh, I think we all we all said that we'd be against you. Um, and we thought that Leicester would come through, but as you guys sure. do, you pull it out the hat, and you are probably, if not uh, more than likely, the the favourites at the moment. I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, they Just did very well. <laughs> they I mean, did if very you can well. Do, if you can do that, if you can do that without uh, without what eight nine players, I mean. It's uh, it's scary for the rest. It's scary for the rest. But yeah. Maddie, I'm sure you chuffed. Great result. Great <laughs> result uh, for you. Two shots, yeah. on, two shots on target, and uh, two 0 win. Classic Mourinho. Perfect. It was. It was pretty perfect. And Scott's got it right. I'm I'm more than happy to talk about Spurs when we're winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely no coincidence that Matt Matt always makes an appearance when his side do well. But you know what? One goal on the other hand. Let's 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 guy, We actually got to change his name to Big Balls Wonga because he shows up when his team are not doing so well all the time. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Wonga. Otherwise, he'd never be around. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but um, let's let's kick off with the first results of the. And you know, it's, it was the first game of the weekend and the first results, and it begins yeah. with, with a guy whose hair seems a bit more frazzled than usual. And he says it's because his dogs ate his fiber cables. We all said that's the same excuse kids are using nowadays when they, nowadays when they can't um, get their homework done. But yeah, Nick, 2-0 to Chelsea. You, you were hopeful yeah. of a positive result. It didn't quite yeah, I think, I think it was never in doubt. I mean, from the first kick of the ball, it, just, it was classic Steve Bruce. You know, we start, we pass the ball backwards and we just pump it forward and we hope. Um, and unfortunately... Um, it is so predictable. And, you know, Chelsea are a good team and we can give them credit, but anyone would have anyone would have beaten us. Scott, that's enough out of you. But anyone would have beaten us on, uh, on that day. Um, so, yeah, I'm slightly frustrated again. Um, but, you know, to be expected, like I said, uh, there was no real plan B. Um, the changes didn't make sense. I think we had 18% or 20% possession in the first half. So you've got no chance, really. Um, I thought their goal was arguably a foul. Um, there wasn't much oh, talk. Oh, no, 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 no. You're reaching. And arguably, I, can, I can tell you why. Um, instead yeah, of, yeah, let me, let, let me finish, okay. though. Let yeah, me yeah. finish. I will, I will let you finish. I'm, I'm actually shocked by that whole scenario. But yeah, yeah. I'm talking... I'm talking I'm talking based on on what's been given by VAR. To be honest with you, like if we're going to talk consistency, you know, I've seen I've seen that overturned, you know. Um, but to be fair, he didn't fix his feet, and they were well. They, they should have been one 0 up already. Um, at one 0 down, I think we had a great chance with um, Isaac Hayden 
And if yeah. he puts that away, arguably again, um, he was open goals. If he scores that, I think they go back to VAR and they don't give that as a handball. But if you look at Man mm. United's, if you look at Man United's game, it was a handball. It was the exact same scenario, and the, the guy was two yards away and he couldn't get his hand out the way. So. I think at 1-1, you know, as Steve Bruce says, his classic saying, we, we play against teams like this and we try to stay in the game until 20 minutes and see what we can get. It is just so backwards. It's so it's so uh, dinosaur-like for uh, your, your, your entertainment. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, uh, it, it was predictable. And like I said, we needed a bit of luck and I thought we could, we could potentially get something out of it. Um, but it was never in doubt once the game started and I saw saw us saw us shape up and and sort of sit with sit with seven players. Seven seven mm. players. That's that's how we, we defended the game. Um but yeah, Claudio, you tell me what are your thoughts on that first goal? No, so I, before we talk about the first goal, I'm just thinking about this whole scenario. Was it a case of Newcastle just being below average and you know Chelsea just showing up, or were Chelsea actually as good as what people yeah. are saying they were. Chelsea were, were good, were good. But I mean, if mm. if they're going to be talking about themselves as title challenges, a, tight, a Liverpool would have given us five or six, uh, to be very honest with you. It should have been a lot more. And we we were one nil down at half time, but we also had one or two chances uh, yeah. when there was a lapse in concentration from the Chelsea sort of back four or when we actually played out their press. Uh, surprisingly yeah. enough, when when um, Longstaff tried to get onto the ball, um, Jolinton actually had a decent game. He held the ball up quite well, and he he seemed like a little bit of a threat. Um, and ma- say maximum, I think him and Bruce have sort of fallen out because I think he's been moved out of position, and I, I, that's a big worry for me because he's always the first player to be pulled off, and he's always the one that I think can get us something. It, it, it might be a free yeah. kick, it might be a cross, it might be a, a goal. Um, yeah. And, I mean, he was uh, – so, some of the changes – I mean, we had John Joe Shelby on the bench and we had no sort of creativity in the midfield. So, I mean, he was taking off wide players to bring on uh, strikers. When we needed to chase the game, we needed to put strikers on, keep the wide players on and maybe pull a defender off and go four at the back. But he's not – Bruce is not capable of that. Um, if, I can, if I can tell you about a stat that I saw uh, or a couple of stats, and I, I'll only name a few of them. Uh, Steve Bruce is in his history of management and the history of the Premier League. He's got the lowest percent possession um, than any other than any other um, Premier League um, than any other Premier League manager. Yeah. Uh, he's got uh, the lowest amount of shots on goal. He's got the lowest amount of touches in the attacking box. He's got yeah. the most amount of blocks and he's got the most amount of goalkeeper saves. So that just tells you everything. Um, and that's a, that's his history of being. That's not just with us. Yeah, but you, you know what I find what I find interesting about that though, forget about the stat, is that if your manager is setting up the way he sets up, it's a very defensive mm-hmm. setup. Sure. For me, it was extremely alarming the way in which both goals were conceded. Yeah. So it, there was hardly there, there wasn't much work. They didn't have to break Newcastle. No, no. So sure, sure, we, we talk about we talk about the first goal they suffered, the, the Fernandez goal. You t- talk about VAR giving and I, I completely hear the inconsistency where certain things are given and others aren't. My yeah. biggest issue with that whole scenario was Fernandez and his body positioning. I don't even think you get a six-year-old in under sevens who positioned his body yeah. the same way. 
He gets caught out and he's facing his own goal. And then he uses the sure. wrong foot to try and clear it across his body. Sure. And then he sticks sure. into his own net. And then he's he's clutching at straws going, guys, I was fouled. So I was like, yeah. when I saw that, I was like, that's bullshit. And Give that a goal just because that's poor yeah. defending. And ultimately, I think also it sort of confused the goalkeeper because that was also in an area where the goalkeeper could have come. So if he's facing his own way, he either takes charge and clears the ball. Um, he oh. clears the ball from where the ball comes from, um, I would say. Um, or as it's coming across his body, he hooks that ball right out with his right foot, but he, he didn't know what he was doing. Or the keeper needs to take control. So, yes, I agree. But, I mean, going going back to where it all comes from, you know, for me, I like to match up in the midfield. Uh, we can't match up in the midfield when we play with five at the back. So they're always going to have all of the ball. Um, so runners are constantly running from deep in behind. Runners are running from um, a high line up or dropping into pockets and receiving and turning. It's just far too easy. And 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 Longstaff and, and Hayden were pretty much told to just sit and and wait and shuffle and wait and shuffle. And whenever you get the ball, let's kick it forward and hope. Um, so, yeah, a little yeah. bit frustrating. Uh, you know, probably not the games you would expect us to win, um, but you would like a team that sort of tries. And that's sort of the plea for the uh. Newcastle fans. We just want to try. You know, there's a lot of pundits that say Newcastle fans are, are very entitled and they say that we won Champions League football and European football. The, the fact of the matter is we've had a lot of European football and, um, you know, sort of high finishes compared to some of the teams that are that are there right now. And we just want a team that tries, you know. Um, we know we're far off that, but we don't try. Uh, and I think that's the biggest frustration. And, you know, we're going to talk about it just now. Sorry, go ahead, Wonga. What do you want to say? Yeah, I think I, I think I can... I can understand Nick's uh, frustration in that terms, uh, in terms of saying that um, I wouldn't say, I also wouldn't say that they, they're entitled. I mean, if, if I looked, I don't want to jump into my game quickly, but just looking back at um, the last time Leeds played Arsenal um, and the team that started, they said Henry put four behind the net, and I think Raul Perez scored one. Um, but the team that started, I mean, those Vera. Um, but I mean, you guys, we, we all we know all the names. Don't have to go through them. But I mean, now we're in a different position, and I'm probably seeing the same: is that we want that Champions League football. Yeah. Um, so I can understand what 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 Nick is saying. And then also, I watched yeah. the new, just another one. Sorry, the Newcastle game itself. I also felt, yo, the first time I actually went out and watched the game. Obviously, they're playing Chelsea. Um, Saint Maximum on the wing. Um, geez, that guy. If I was manager, I'm playing him whole game. And you, you're getting someone like him, especially if you've got the players that you have, you're getting someone like him doing that on the on the, on the the other wing. Um, and you are definitely probably going to get a call or two um, uh, playing against a team like Charles because they really did battle with him when he was on the field. But yeah. uh, obviously, Steve Bruce had different no, his changes. His changes didn't make sense. I will give him credit. And I think he was hearing me last week when I was shouting at the TV. But, I mean, he makes all his changes generally in the 81st, 82nd minute when the game's done. So we had made all three changes by the 70th minute. Um, personally, I mean, we did get an injury with LaSalle's going off, but I would have had Carroll and Shelby on. That that was non-negotiable. Almiron was a mm. was a great impact, and he's yes. actually he's he's technically so superb that he wins files in in sort of areas that you wouldn't you wouldn't expect. And he, his ball retention yeah. for such a small guy is rather rather decent. But um, I, I would have I would have you put in on a striker, but then you taken off. You're taking off uh, a, a wide player. Just for me, it doesn't make sense because how's the ball going to get to the wide player? Um, so for me, obviously, you know, very disappointing. <laughs> um, 
that's a, that's a, that's a decent comment, Marcus, but he's just signed a new contract, and I tell you what, someone's going to come in for big money for him. And but yes, he's dangerous. He's yeah, very he's dangerous. dangerous. He has, he has, he has, so, sorry, yeah. Nick, here's, here's the thing. is like when you're looking, we're going to speak about, I wanted to say this earlier, we're going to speak about Tottenham, and Matt's already, like he's got this, this inner, this inner, I don't know, Smile. It's kind of, yeah, there's just so much. There's like so much like positive vibes coming from the, the Tottenham camp right now. But when you're comparing <laughs> the two setups in both games, the, the tactics were somewhat similar to a certain extent, but the desire was different in both players. And if you look at yeah. both sets of players, and if you're looking at the Newcastle thing, you've got your player like an Almiron, like you've mentioned, you've got a Saint Maximum, and you've got these sort of players who just seem so tired of doing the same thing week in, week yeah. out. Whereas in the first thing, they can change it a little bit. I mean, the yeah. second mm. the, the second goal that they concede. From inside their own half, they literally just let Timo Werner run the whole pitch. In between no, two exactly. defenders, two defenders, he just ran right through them. Nothing happened. One of them could have stuck but, a leg out, taken a card for that. Not one of them Claudio, did that. This is the thing for me. I don't understand it. I was taught I was an outfield player, but you, we've played in the same teams. Wonga, we've played in the same teams where, you know, we're not playing at a professional level, but we've been taught these things. So I, my concern is, and I honestly think it, like, you know, you can bash your manager and you can bash anyone in football. And who am I to say that uh, Steve Bruce is an accomplished manager. He's won a couple of championship titles. But it doesn't look like the players are coached. It honestly just looks like they get together and they, they probably have a set standard routine through the week and then they get together, do a bit of shape and, and pattern. And, 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 you know, the shape and pattern essentially must be just shadow play without the ball because they don't ever have the, they don't even have the ball. Um, so for me, for me, it's just, you know, people say – yeah, the stats are very similar to, you know, a a um, Rafa Benitez. But Rafa Benitez, we had a sort of we had progression. Players were improving, and I've seen players go backwards. I mean, Sean Longstaff, they were touting as, you know, someone who could potentially play for England. He can't even he can't even control a ball at the moment. Um, his brother looks better than him. So I mean, for me, the the squad has really gone backwards, and I see us in a bit of a fight now. We we sick from bottom. You know, we've got a couple of points on the board and it's very inconsistent. But, you know, if it continues like this, losses just start to accumulate. Bad form starts to accumulate. There's bad vibes in the change room. Players, the transfer windows around the corner. Players are going to want to start to look at... Start looking, yeah. Well, so, there's based, based on that fact alone, you've already got the, the shit that Almiron's agent's yeah. stirring up, saying, sure. you know, yeah. Inter Milan are coming after him, Atletico Madrid are coming, which I, I personally I feel is a bit far-fetched. But, I mean, it's yeah. already creating a bit of a disharmony sort of within the change mm. room and with the coach and the player and, and, and. You know, you so know, there, Claudia, there are a lot of those things. You know, you might say that, eh? and and... Those players have done that under Steve Bruce. They've done, so say Maximum, for example, Callum Wilson to an extent, and Almiron. Let's use those three players. They've, they've performed, call it performed, for lack of better words, under Steve Bruce with no real direction. Imagine if they play with half-decent players and a manager as a brain. You know, I think, I think they might flourish. And, you know, yeah. I, I used to get so upset with, when players used to leave my club. Like, as a, as a youngster, I used, to, I used to hate them afterwards. But, you know, uh, obviously you grow up and you realize that, you know, good for them. You know, well, why would they want to come to training and or, or come to a match and touch the ball probably twice in the game if you've only got 30% of the whole match? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's what it is. So, unfortunately, it is alarming. And, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a, a campaign at the moment for Bruce out. Um, but we've got so many issues upstairs where he's not going to sack Bruce. He didn't sack uh, Pardew. Yeah. Pardew yeah. was arguably one of our second worst managers. 
Um, and he's just going to stay tight until he can maybe sell the club and then let the new owners make a decision. Yeah, but what's interesting to note, we're focusing obviously a lot on Newcastle because this is your team, Nick. But from sure. the Chelsea perspective, one of the good things that Chelsea are doing is they've kept another clean sheet. Yeah. And from a defensive record, last season, just so everyone's aware of this, they conceded the second most goals from corners throughout the whole of Europe last season. And that's one of the areas that they've hugely improved on in these nine games so far to the start of the season. And it's largely a combination between playing zonal and marking. Obviously, having guys that are stronger hitters on the line and bringing the likes of Amendi and letting... It's, it's a big difference between having Aspilicueta and Amendi where players are a lot more confident having a keeper who's coming out and catching the thing. Huge, huge yeah. difference. Um, one of the other interesting things currently coming out of the Chelsea camp at the moment is that Giroud is going to be looking for a new club come January because he's very fearful of losing his place in the Euro squad. So yeah. that's yeah. something else for them to lose. Not that I don't, th I don't think it's going to affect Chelsea much. I don't know. What do you guys... What do you think, Matt? Yeah, look, I think Chelsea looked really good this weekend. <clears throat> obviously, you know, um, Nick's right. Newcastle set up in a way that did them lots of favours. Um, they were really defensive. And Steve Bruce is it's how he's done it. And Scott made an interesting point in the comments just now, but up until a couple of weeks ago, statistically, Newcastle were actually looking really, really good and actually kind of had a base they could have built on. Um, but I think what's happened is, and the, the comparison you drew with Spurs is an interesting one in terms of the, the mentality, the, the tactics. Tactically, they looked very similar this weekend, but the mentality was completely different. And Chelsea, on the other hand, their mentality was completely right. They're very professional. Um, they, they, they were obviously very well drilled. They knew what they were doing. Um, they weren't perfect. I think there is still, I think Chelsea are going to get better than they were this weekend. I think they've got a lot, a lot to still show us. Um, and I do think they're gonna, there's still a lot for them to do this season. But they did exactly what they needed to do to beat Newcastle. And it was true. They, it didn't look like Newcastle were ever going to lay a glove on them. And I think that's, yeah. that's pretty damning. Um, I and, think, and, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Lampard, uh, if, if you guys you know, saw him and his uh, sort of body language, every chance that they missed at 1-0, he was, he was fuming. And he was, because he was worried. I mean, yeah. we, we, we stole it at the end last year. They should have they should have walked the game four five four five nothing mm -hmm. and we we ended up scoring in the last minute of the game smash and grab and I think I think that's sort of he he was concerned because it is a potential banana skin because you've seen those games go one way or the other and and you know they were speaking about Werner and you know they spoke about him last season um, when when See, sort of the he commentators missed the, he missed the sitter as well yeah when the commentators oh, yeah. Uh, were were working on his games last year they said it sometimes takes him three or four chances to actually take his chance. Um, and that that might be a bad trade, although he does get into positions, you know, and he still is, his goal record is so great. So it is quite interesting to, to note. And I think they will match right. They will progress. And um, they've got a, they've got a big challenge this weekend um, uh, to, to actually see if, if what they have in place is actually as good as what it is, because I wouldn't really sort of benchmark uh, if they are on the right route um, based on last weekend's result, simply because it, there was no real resistance. Um, yeah. to be ah. And and you know, and I like that point because now realistically, guys, 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 it's the first time since 1985 after nine games that Spurs are top of the <laughs> log. And talk about talk about who's going to be challenging for the Premier League right now. In my mind, personally speaking, I think it's a two-horse race. Chelsea are going to be there for top four. I think Man City. There's a lot of work to be done there, but I think Spurs are the guys that are going to be the real challengers here for this title. Forget about anyone else, which brings us to you, Matt. Yeah. Mateus. Mateo. Yeah. 
it was a, it was, a, it was an amazing weekend. Um, <clears throat> we, and I mean, you know, I, I wasn't born until '86, so it was. It's the first time in my life we've been this high at this point. So, um, it was it was fantastic. The 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 game was was it was positive on a couple of notes. So it, it was a, we've been seeing for a while the progression of Spurs under Mourinho and our evolution. I've mentioned it a few times. We're looking more and more like a Mourinho side. Um, this was one of those games where we just, we implemented a Mourinho game plan and over and above the game plan itself, there were so many individual performances across the field that were hugely positive. Eric Dyer looked better than he's looked in ages. He was really solid at the back. You always feel he's prone to a mistake. You always feel he might just, you know, lose his head, but he held it together. And even when Alderweireld went off injured, I thought, oh, this could be, you know, I've seen this before. And um, Dyer really stepped up and it was a, Awesome, awesome performance. Um, Hoiberg across the field. He's, again, he's been a phenomenal signing for us. I still, what a bargain at 15 million. He's just made such a difference to our midfield. He's yeah, real leading monster. the stats. Yeah, and he's leading the stats for inter, inter, interceptions and tackles and turning around play and stuff. He's just, mm. he's given us what was what was missing last year um, in that midfield. So we, we looked amazing along. And Harry Kane continues to be, I think, He's been a phenomenal striker for, for several years. Um, but now in what he's done with his game and what Mourinho's, and, and you can only assume it's down to discussions that they've had and the, the plans that they've discussed, he's become a really world-class player. He's more than just a striker. He's still scoring goals at a rate that any striker in the league would be pleased with. But he's also doing so much more than that. His his involvement in build-up play and his assist for Lucezlo's goal right at the end was just, the vision was perfect. I lost my mind. He's become that real shithouse player that with, with the end, end product. He's assisting, yeah. he's scoring, he's kicking the shit out of people, he's diving, yeah. he's just doing a bit of, bit of everything. And he's, and yeah, he's leading. Word of the road with stuff. You know, he's, yeah, I mean, he's, I, he's, it's phenomenal. I think he's literally Mr. Came Spurs. Out, Mr. Yeah. Spurs, yeah. Mourinho yeah. came out saying, I mean, I think he won man of the match after the game. And it's, it's all, it's funny now that Kane's doing all of this work and other conversations going, Oh, yes, but now, guys, this is a modern striker. Modern strikers can still be a, mo- a man of the match without scoring goals. And I'm like, wait, 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 guys. Mourinho, uh, F- Firmino, uh, Firmino, I can't even say it right now. F- Bobby <laughs> has been doing it for how many seasons? Him. Yeah, I was like, he's been doing it for how many seasons? Everyone's like, this looks so shit. But anyway, nonetheless, hmm. you were talking no, about Hoiberg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, across the field, Spurs, everyone did their job. And, and it was one of those games where you could kind of see... And, and, you know, I don't know if you guys saw any of the stuff Man City's official Twitter account was doing. Like, they couldn't believe they were losing. It was phenomenal. And But it, the truth is that it, as although there's always a part of me that felt, oh, they could still score three right at the end. And I'm sure if Richard was here, he'd be reminding me, you know, just exactly what. But <laughs> <laughs> there was, at the same time, there were, there were long periods of the game where as much as City had a lot of control and they were taking shots, it never felt like there was only, I can only remember two times where it looked like Larice was really tested um, and the mm. rest of the time it, it felt like Spurs controlled the game there was it was kind of a, a pitch a you know, perfect example of game management yeah. that said you know the talk about the the title thing that you know Claudia you brought it up I don't know I think the the interesting thing is between now and Christmas between now and Christmas Spurs are playing Chelsea Arsenal Liverpool and Leicester mm. and on Boxing Day I think we play Wolves and yeah. if we get to Boxing Day still here or hereabouts, then I could, then I'll, I think I'll start to feel, wow, this could really be on the cards. Because I think that as much as we've, we're doing really well at the moment, the, we, the, the big tests we've had 
where United who really didn't show up um, and a City who are themselves also in a bit of a funk. This isn't prime, you know, this isn't peak City. So I think the, the next the next sort of five, six games are going to really um, tell, uh, kind of really test Spurs credentials and also really test how much of an impact Mourinho can have. I think this is where we find out whether he's still got it or not. So um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But here's the thing, though. That performance reminded me of the Champions League game when when he was still at Inter and they won the treble. And it was a game against Barcelona. It was that big defining mm. moment where Barcelona yeah. was the best team in the world at the moment in time. Yeah. And he had Samuel Eto'o tra- tracking back at right back. But there was still yeah. so much control, even though they had no ball. And that's what it felt. It ve- felt exactly like it. It almost felt yeah. like this side that have completely bought into what he's doing now. And, you know, like if one of the things I've got to really observe and be like, you know, everyone talks about Mourinho only being a, a three-season a three season sort of club man. And you start thinking about him, go back to his greatest successes. You go back to Porto, his side was the underdog side, won the Champions League. You go to Inter Milan, obviously winning the treble was something huge. But again, in the yeah. Champions League, they had this underdog mentality. And the clubs where he hasn't lasted that long or beyond that point, all the clubs that are supposedly the bigger clubs that are expecting a lot of different things. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like he's coming at the right time for Spurs that are somewhat on this sort of traje- trajectory. My, my pronunciation is going to shit today. Sorry, um, Scott, yeah. just keep those, keep those like little abbreviations coming. Firmino um, coming into, into the sort of thing. But he's at the right place at the right time for his Spurs. And it feels mm. like, you know, he's got the main guy on board who's Kane and everyone else is just following suit. And this is the difference. And I feel like last season they beat, in February, they beat Man City, but it felt like a very lucky, lucky win. This yeah. time it felt like they went completely toe-to-toe and they they completely destroyed Man City. Man City were asking sort of all sorts of questions. They had no answers. But that, that was yeah. going on. Yeah, definitely. It, it, the stars seem to be aligning. Uh, we, I agree with you. I think we're in a perfect space to get someone like Mourinho. I think we're the kind of club where he does thrive. We are very similar in terms of um, kind of in terms of stature. We're probably not even as big as Inter Milan, um, uh, probably. And in terms of what people expect from us, it, it's similar. You know, the the people don't they expect us to be there or thereabouts, but not really win it. Um, and I think in many ways that's where he thrives. And and he, where he is really really good is understanding picking out the the key players in the system and maximizing them. He did it at Chelsea. You know, he built that spine, Terry. Lampard, Drogba, and it, 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 they, they each understood their exact jobs across the field. Everyone knew what they're supposed to do, and, and it performed every time. And it feels like he's getting there with Spurs. Hoiberg knows what he's supposed to be doing. Dyer knew what he was meant to be doing. Regulon, when he's on, he's just perfect down the left. He's exactly what we were missing there. And, and obviously Kane and Son. The, I mean, Son's goal as well. It wasn't set up by Kane this time around, but it's, it's perfect. It's peak Son what he's doing at the moment. Yeah. You know, quick, running into yeah. space. Quick finishing. I think it's also interesting what you say, Matt, about Christmas. But I think another defining moment is when Europa League starts again um, yeah. in February, yeah. uh, because it's going to be a hectic. It's going to be a hectic Christmas period. Um, mm, mm. FA Cup's going to start. You know, he's going to want to win something. So I think he's going to try and stay in every competition as long as possible because the league is obviously as tough as it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the backdoor entry into the Champions League is Europa, but, you know, he loves the Europa League. He's won it, I think he's won it twice. Uh, I know he won it with Man United and with Porto. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a tournament that he knows he knows pretty well. And yeah. I think if you, can, if you can get to February, I think, in a, in a good, good sort of shape in terms of how much, how much depth you still have, um, I think that's going to be key. Um, because... Europa League is a long tournament. 
um, and you're yeah. traveling like we spoke about. You travel, you travel all over the place. Um, yeah. It's not just your your sort of glamorous glamorous uh, nations within Europe. It's your mm. uh, yeah, Ukraine, yeah, Ukraine's and Cyprus's and Kazakhstan's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's the tr you're completely right. It's not just going to be one point where we're we're judging. I mean, we've got to get through Christmas really well to give ourselves that chance. Then we've got to get yeah. through the return of European football. And to win the league, I mean, Liverpool proved it. You've got to be top of your game every week. Um, yeah. and look at Liverpool, not last in the season before. They were phenomenal the entire way through the season and still finished second because City were even more phenomenal. So, you know, yeah. Spurs will have to have the best season that they're ever going to have. And still, and, and every new challenge, they're going to have to defeat it. And, and these next six games are just the first of, of those next few period of challenges. So, I mean, I think we're... All, every Spurs fan I know is trying to keep our feet on the ground. You know, we, we're realistic. We've supported this team long enough to know it could all come crashing down. But there's also an excitement that I don't think I've felt properly in a while. Even, you know, even the season Leicester won, Tottenham were there or thereabouts. As much as we always... Now we look back on it and think, oh, that should have been the season we won. That should have been our season. At yeah. the time, not a lot of Spurs fans really thought we could win it. It, it just, you know, it always felt... And then we ended up finishing third in a two-horse race anyway. So... The, <laughs> The the this time around though it is a bit different. There's there's something even the way the players carry themselves. You know, you look at them against City. They weren't they weren't freaking out. They went one nil up and then they gave away a load of possession and they weren't. No one started losing their head. Dyer didn't run off and mm. kick someone in the knee. It was it was really managed, controlled, and and it was good. I mean, you, you know, something could go wrong. Kane could break something, or or you know, Son could get called up to the army again. You just don't know. But um, <laughs> at the moment, it looks really good. And I think it's, it's a really exciting time. It's a fun time to be a Spurs fan. And, I mean, it could be worse, Wonga. Um, you know, But let's talk about something that isn't great at the moment. Is, um, it's come out, what's been reported today, that you guys have recorded a loss of 63.9 million pounds uh, profit loss. At this point in time, obviously, COVID's had a huge yeah. impact on all of this. And the, the projection is that overall, at the come end of the season, it's going to be a sort of loss in the 150 million mark. Here's where it's not so bad for you guys. is based on, if we're talking about, I know Nick's mentioned Europa and them doing well in Europa, regardless of what happens this season. Yeah. It's more likely that Spurs win a trophy than not. I know that's a lot of pressure to be saying that out there, especially talking about jinxes yeah. and all that other stuff. But if they win the Europa, to give you an example... Europa, in terms of prize money, only gets you £40 million. Pounds, mm. Right? Just coming in the last yeah. six of the Champions League gets you £56 million. Pounds, and that's already the difference in terms of the, the, the significance of making top four for an Arsenal and, and, and. But here's yeah. where, it, where it gets very interesting for us, Spurs, is that the timing of COVID and your new stadium. Right now, your new stadium has brought in, before COVID or at least, brought up more money for you guys from a profit perspective in terms of what all Trafford are making. I think it increased something like from 50 million to 80 million pounds. I know I'm getting very specific in a certain thing. So this is where I'm just saying as a Spurs fan, you need to be a bit positive here is because mm. now with the introduction of fans coming in December and moving on again, and you know, Spurs have transformed the stadium into a multi sort of purpose thing. That money is going to keep flooding in. And if we look in base in terms of what they've spent this, despite COVID hitting Daniel Levy firstly managed to sell Ericsson, a player who only had six months left on his contract. He's not even playing for Inter right now for 20 million euros. But they also spent more than what they normally spend. And they spent yeah. something in the region of about 120 million pounds in comparison yeah. to 88 million pounds. Now, the difference in this whole scenario is that your wage bill from a Spurs perspective 
still only equates to 180 million pounds. I know I'm throwing yeah. a lot of the pounds out here, guys. But no, Arsenal, just to give you a perspective, Arsenal are sitting on 232 million pounds, right? And then it goes up to Man United, 284. Then it goes to Liverpool and Chelsea that are on the three million pound mark. So you've got a Spurs now who are able to compete and spend money like likes on Undumbele in the 70, 70 million pound range and bring players in on a lot cheaper and still compete. So when COVID comes to an end, you know, the money's going to come in. And if, if success comes this season, you're only going to build on that, which means for me, the future is a cane and players built around a cane. So that's yeah. that's very bright. Yeah, I mean, Spurs have uh, one. I mean, there's always been criticisms of Levy for, for for different things in terms of not spending on players at the right time and and not backing managers when he should and stuff. But at the same time, it, as as a business, Spurs is run very very well. Um, financially, they're on a solid footing. They were able to build the new stadium without putting a, a complete damper on other sides of the of 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 the the football parts of the business. I mean, you remember when Arsenal first moved into the Emirates, they didn't spend serious money on transfers for a long time. And that was a yeah. big sticking point for a lot of the fans. Um, and, yeah. and we've been really lucky in that, that because it's so well run, we've been able to move into the new stadium and we have spent on players. And, and you know, I mean, we, we, we've often said that Levy hasn't backed the manager, but he clearly has this time around. Um, he obviously, him and Mourinho, they knew what they wanted to do and they got in and they didn't need to spend huge amounts of money. Um, you know, we, it would have been nice. There's other players that, we've, that have been talked about that would have been cool to bring in. But you look at what he did bring in. It was really smart business. Um, and I agree with you. I think I, I, the, what Spurs spend on wages is not is currently very, but that may change. The pressure, if Spurs were to win something big and then to stay there, to bring in the kind of players who are going to keep us at that level, it may force a rethink of the wage structure, which could, which could cause issues down the line. But for the time being, Spurs is on a solid footing financially. And, and I think it does bode well. It looks, it looks the, the key thing is to start backing up with, with silverware. Cause I think that's in order to start bringing in the, 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 the kind of players that, Kane deserves to have around him for the next few years. We will have to show that we're a place where you can go to win trophies. So, um, in a in a big way, there is a lot of pressure on Spurs in the next two years to to start producing the goods. But it, it yeah. does feel, like I said, it feels good. It feels really positive, more than I've perhaps felt in a maybe my whole life. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome, dude. It's, I'm glad you're feeling yeah. that right now. Just wait until you guys play Liverpool, and then we can have the chat again. But uh, based on <laughs> based on what Jason was saying, he says obviously the further that Spurs do go in the Europa, the tougher it's going to be for the league. But I think it's going to get to yeah. a point where Mourinho is going to make a decision, um, and he's going to be like, if he's in for the league, he's going to be focusing on the league. He's not going to give a shit about Europa. He's still going to yeah. set up a team to get a result in Europa. Because you can't do that. I think yeah. talking about, again, Newcastle setup versus the Spurs setup, the difference is one can sit deeper because they've got quality on the counter. I know you've mentioned your players, Nick, but at the end of the yeah. day, they're not on the same level as a Son and a Kane. No, 100%. Um, but let's talk about what I want to talk about before we move on from this game is the, the, the Man City factor, the Man City situation, the situation in which Pep Guardiola finds himself in while Wonga mm. downs his water. It's, it's one of those scenarios where... You know, they're a mess right now. Compare last season yeah. and the season before, because damn, Wonga's really thirsty. But if you compare it to, to having Sane up front, Aguero up front, mm. and it's Erling up front, in comparison to what they had on the weekend against Spurs, a Torres, a Zizouj, who's a, he's a, he's, he's a Solskjaer off the bench at best, in my opinion. Mm. You know, and then followed up by Mares on the right-hand side. I mean, there's just, there's all sorts wrong. And then you focus on the back as well. I mean, they're completely not aligned. I mean, you've got a great player in Ruben Diaz, but still very young, absolute leader. 
But the, the, the partnership between him and Laporte still has to come about. And then not having a player like Fernandinho in the middle, that's the huge loss for that club, apart from losing yeah. David Silva and company. But not having him there to break their play up, because that's what they, they're amazing for, you know, press up high, win the ball mm. back as soon as they've lost it, and they just weren't doing that against the Spurs. So, yeah. Nick, in terms of your opinion, in terms of what Pep Guardiola has to do moving forward, what do you think about this? I just think in terms of what we had spoken about uh, building up to this game is, you know, the contract was signed on Thursday, the, the extension, and I think that obviously gives him a bit of time. And and just by the look of it and just sort of the makeup of the squad based uh, in comparison to sort of the squads that they've had in the last couple of years, it looks like, you know, Pep's been given the go-ahead to start rebuilding. Um, I don't know if they they sort of, they, they, they say in, they're sort of out of the title, title race already. I don't think Pep would ever say that, but it just looks like they, they look very toothless at the moment. They, yeah. um, I mean, they create, they create a whole lot. They have a lot of the ball and, and, and they just sort of, they sort of struggle. And I mean, if they're struggling to to sort of break down defenses like your 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 Spurs that that set up, they're not. That's not going to be the first team that does that. And City were notorious of being able to find a solution regardless, um, and they did it for 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 a couple of years, and they even arguably did it last season um, um, on more than one occasion. And and I fear for them because I do I, I did think that you know at the end of last season you know Pep was going to put all his eggs in one basket and go try win the Champions League. And obviously that didn't work out. And I thought maybe this season would maybe be the same because I think that's what his sort of mandate is, is to deliver that um, that 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 trophy to the club. Um, but they do really look far off it. Um, I mean, they, I, I mean, I, I watched Kevin De Bruyne's uh, and I'd also like your take on a Kevin De Bruyne's interview. And he's he was livid with the decision uh, of their goal being overturned. Um, I personally disagree with him. I thought it was a, a clear handball. Um, his, his arm moves towards it. Um, and the thing is, it looks like they're clutching at straws. They look like sort of dead men walking. Um, but I, I wouldn't write them off yet because we are still, you know, what we're not even at the 10-game mark. They can just go on a run if they want to. Um, but they're not looking like it. So, I don't yeah. know. I think, Matt, you'll agree with me. You know, they can turn it on when they want to. Listen, they didn't pay, play poorly. They didn't create all those chances because they're, they're a shit team. The difference was you've got, you've got a, a Spurs that were like, yeah. you know, we, we've got a job to do here. The manager yeah. said, we need to be disciplined. We need to keep our shape while we're sharp enough to still be able to attack. City are so comfortable in terms of always attacking, always going forward. They missed that flipping bite in the middle of that monster in yeah. a Hoiberg that Spurs had, which they normally yeah. have in a, in, a, in a Fernandinho. But they just mm. didn't have to keep them on their toes. And they just, they were very complacent. I mean, the first goal was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. Yeah. Keeper was off his line, in my opinion. He was far too off his line. Then just yeah. Even arguably yeah. a second as well. Yeah. And, and you know what the, the, the thing is? Everyone's saying Kane's movement was so incredible. All it was was it's a lack of communication between two center halves and an overzealous sort of uh, Bernardino. No, oh, no, yeah. who, who presses? He so he should be higher sure. up the pitch, sort of winning the ball up there, not not sure. in the middle of the park, because that's yeah. what happens. You get turned in that scenario. It was just too. It was just too easy, in my opinion. I think the difference is they just one team's used to going forward, completely switched off from a, a defensive point of view, and the other one now, which was similar to that when they had Pochettino, arguably towards the end of his reign. 
And they've just they've got that grit back and they understand that to win games, you've really yeah. got to dig deep and flipping, you know, stick your balls in someone's face, really. Smother. Sure. You know, you really smell it. Sorry, I mean, Ronga. From, yeah, for me, Man, Man City, I don't think yeah, they made mistakes. And the thing is, unfortunately, that game they got punished for them. They only they only had Spurs only had two shots on target that game. You can count the one that was off, the offside goal, and that would be three. Mm. Um but if I look, I honestly, I, I mean, even the first goal, Michael Owen broke it down like uh, after the match um, at half time. He broke it down quite nicely, where he showed uh, one of the midfielders, uh, it was Bernardo Silva. He moved. He should have actually just stayed on his side, uh, stayed goal side on the guy, and that was it. But he moved. He got, mm-hmm. I don't know, obviously playing a match, moved moved to the wrong position, got caught out. But the defenders did. The defenders did the right thing. One guy went, the other guy was going to cover afterwards. The keeper was the mistake. And I think for me, in many games now, like Nick was saying, um, even the keeper, uh, the second goal as well, you can even argue that he was off his line there. Um, the season's Man City won. Um, Edison was that, um, was that, uh, was that difference um, uh, yeah. for them. They always made the right decision coming off the line, making it very difficult for teams to come out um, behind players, and in that that game, I think uh, for me he kind of cost the team because those are literally the only two times, like they said, there's only two shots on target, and he wasn't up to it, and and they got their two goals, and I think uh, yeah, if Pep needs. I, I'm not saying now bench Edison. I mean he's done very well. I think it's just some one aspect he needs to just work on is just make sure he makes the right decision when he comes out because I've seen it. I can't remember which other game it was as well. It also also off his line wrong time. Um, not even rather let the defender deal with it, but he didn't come out, and it makes it quite easy for the the striker to score the goal. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think even after the game, Pep Guardiola they asked him about the the handball. I know the players like the brain had a lot to say about it, but Pep he probably did see it, but he said he didn't see it, and he won't comment on it. And I think he just um, at this point is not. I think he's accepted that look, VAR is going to be what it is. Um, and he can't really con- uh, blame it for his uh, for his losses, and he has to just try and work on his team. And I think he's just taking that conscious that uh, conscious decision to focus on his team rather than the VAR. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we'll probably see positive results from now on from them. Yeah, fair enough. I think he's he's realized that the battle possibly. I'm not saying he's giving up, but I think he feels like there's a lot more to focus on before he can start yes. challenging again. So don't be surprised at 13th, sitting 13th on the table if he goes spending big again in January. Um, so yeah, don't be surprised at that. But the next game, guys, the one that was all about one man, and that man being, you guys know who this, who I'm talking about. Yes, Bruno. One man. No, not Bruno. even. I'm talking about David Coote. You know that guy. Uh, I just want to talk about this guy. You know he was meant to. He was meant to be. He was meant to be refing the Liverpool game, and they actually removed him for the game against Why? Leicester. So they removed him, and what they do is they send him to go ref the United game. I mean, the whole game, firstly, I don't, like, United, were, hey, they had one or two chances. But West Brom, yeah. I think, were the better side, in my opinion. They gave a real go, but they were yes, really unfortunate. They gave it. But then the first penalty, guys, the first one that he then, he gives, and then he retracts after looking at VAR. Yeah. Uh, guys, I saw people saying that that wasn't a penalty. I can't uh, see from any angle where Bruno Fernandes has touched the ball there. He's clearly clipped the guy on his ankle. Drugs. Oh, well, he's, he's shin pads. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't, I don't know how you even overturned that. He's no, it's right ridiculous. Thing, yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. The man, I think he was secretly, scared. Yeah, he was scared. Like, I think yeah. Ferguson had a word with him, or he had his shirt signed by Ferguson. I don't know what it was, 
But it was absolute bullshit because I've seen softer yeah. penalties given throughout this whole damn season. That was blatant yeah. contact. The guy gets brought down. He has a look at it yes. again. We were like, even the commentators were like, ha, huh. <laughs> Like, what is going on here? Yeah. yeah. What is the decision? What was the decision to overturn it? That's what I wanted to know because I didn't no, see. I think I, didn't I think, I think he, he looked and he was like, no, no, no. So firstly, I think the man, the Portuguese player, you know how it is. You know, he whispered something in his ear. And we're very persuasive people <laughs> as a nation, generally speaking. Matt knows. Matt's married to a Portuguese lady. He knows. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly overturning penalty decisions at home. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, I think he's whispered something. And I think he's gone with the idea saying, no, 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 the player was exaggerating. Player was exaggerating. So, yeah. But my, my biggest concern is that, okay, cool, he does that. So he's completely robbed a poor West Ham, a West Brom that are – flipping fighting for things at the bottom there. He then yeah. goes at the other end of the pitch, literally right after that. The guy takes a shot. The defender turns his back, turns his back. He doesn't even know where the ball yeah. is. Doesn't, doesn't know where the ball is at all. Hits, hits yeah. his hand. He goes, no, no, penalty. That's a penalty. Yeah. And then what's the best part? I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that's, that's shocking. Yeah, yeah. And then he misses the penalty. And then this is what I wanted to ask you, Nick. From a goalkeeper's yeah. perspective, this is where I think the game is in all sorts of disarray, apart from VA and all this other bullshit. You've yeah. got a scenario where, you know, players are allowed to do all these funny nonsense run-ups and tinkle toes and all this other cuck story yeah. thing. The keeper yeah. now has to then retake the penalty because he's gone off his line. How much yeah. of an advantage, really, from a percentage perspective, if they're going to go back to goal yeah. line technology, we're going to talk about the Liverpool game. If they're going to go with goal line technology and there's like a 10 millimeter difference between whether or not that's a goal or not, how in the hull does like a keeper coming off the, the line, how does that, like what percentage does that really so, give an advantage? Okay, so as a goalkeeper, when you, when you are taught as, as, a young, as a youngster, you are told to sort of close the angle. So by closing the angle, you always learn to dive forward. Um, yep. So essentially they try gain ground and make that distance between the ball and them a lot smaller. So essentially if you walk forward... Um, the goal actually is smaller, just obviously um, by pure dimensions and physics. But yes. he, I do agree with you. The rule is now that the keeper has to keep one line on uh, one foot on the line. So you can take a step forward, but the back foot has to stay on. So essentially, as the ball's kicked, that back foot can come off. But if you yes. watch the second, if you watch the second penalty, he came off the line again. Um, and I know they were in that end. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. So I, the goalkeeper was a little bit silly from that point of view because, I mean, if he had saved it again, they would have just retaken it. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I do, I do know, I, I do agree. That it is a bit frustrating because, yes, it's it seems as though it's a little bit, a uh, little bit of a, you know, a nothing sort of rule. Uh, but there is method to the madness. However, I just don't know. I don't know how much of an advantage it is because, you know, justice was actually served. It wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. It wasn't a penalty. Justice yeah. was served. But then because of this rule where strikers are allowed advantages, the keeper has to literally well, do... Yeah. That's I the thing also, because like, if you think sorry. about it, you've got you, you, that weird staggered run-up because timing is also a key factor. As a keeper, if you know you can only take a step when you can take a step and you start seeing someone yeah. take a run-up, you're going to time the whole thing because... Sure. If you wait for the ball to be kicked, yeah. then it's too late. You know, it's like yeah. And now I, I agree I mean, with having you. Having that weird, like, yeah. And if you're gonna, yeah, I agree with you. If if you're gonna, you know, limit goalkeepers to what they can do, 
Um, you know, some keepers, you know, it used to be that you were allowed to stand in your goal. Uh, but now mm. that's been done away with. You have to, you have to, feet have to be on the line. On the line. Yeah. So a, a, a foot has to be on the line. Um, so, I mean, essentially the idea of standing in your goals is if you dive in forward, you're still actually in your goals um, as the ball's kicked, but you actually have that forward momentum. Um, mm. But for me, if goalkeepers are so limited, why, why are you allowed to do stop-start run-ups? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, yeah, it, it, it is very frustrating because, I mean, I think, you see it here in South Africa a lot. I mean, you see nonsense run out here. Uh, stop, yeah. start, stop, start. I mean, I don't know what sort of Bruno Fernandes does. It's like a, it's like a slow motion. It's, Frog. Yeah, it's, Kermit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it looked all like painful, to be honest. It was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, for me, I also, I, I can see... Yeah, just like, like I can see where they, why they're saying the keeper has needs to have a, a, a foot on the line uh, to close it down. Um, and then if you think about the whole penalty situation, it is it is the defending team's uh, um, error. Um, so obviously the advantage now the penalty obviously a penalty is always going to be a, a advantage to the striker, but now you've just made it. Um, now you're making it almost close to impossible for the keeper to save it. For me, mm-hmm. then if if you, I can understand not coming forward, you're closing down the angle way too much. But I don't, I wouldn't, I, I don't understand why. Maybe you would share inside to me, niggas. Why, why would they stop the goalkeeper from starting in his net? Because that would make it quite interesting as well. Maybe he can yeah, play around I his net know. also do his things. But for me, that would be just, better. To yeah, I think it's just the consistency of being on the line. I think it just sort of makes yeah. the the rules easier to read and easier to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, but from that perspective. You know, it was quite interesting is if you look at the penalty afterwards, mm-hmm. um, after he had missed it, no one actually complained about him jumping off the line. I guess it yeah. was always going to go back to VAR, but it was quite interesting mm. because they carried on playing. I think it went out for a corner or uh, whatever yeah, it was. For throwing, yeah. Everyone was setting yeah. up for the corner. Um, so, I mean, ideally, you know, you've you've always got a chance if you're – if you've missed a penalty nowadays, you've always got a chance yeah. to be retaken. But, but, you know, Nick, you mentioned again, so when the retake happens, you mentioned again that the keeper's off his line. Yeah. And you know what I found very interesting, again, when we're talking about the run-up? You get two, you get two ways of saving, saving a penalty. You've got a way where you, you guess the side. And that way it's yeah. become a 50-50, you hoping. Or in this case, you know, there's three ways now if they go down the middle, whatever the scenario is. But you're choosing a side and you're hoping for the best. Now, mm. for me... What I used to like advise goalkeepers or the guys I used to play with was I was always like, read the body language. If you can put them mm-hmm. off from the body language perspective, you've got a chance. And in that scenario, he's read the body language and he's actually trying to guess it. And that's why he comes off his line because he staggers. And as sure. he comes off, he, he's decided, oh, he's going this way. And then he mm-hmm. just pauses for a minute and he's off his line. So I was like, in yeah. that scenario, that's, that's a lot of crap because you actually you know, again, against, yeah. against, yeah. Um, against penalty takers like Bruno Fernandes specifically, where he doesn't actually put that much pace on the ball, I would, and generally here in South Africa, I would tell my play, my goalkeeper <coughs> to do this. I would just watch the ball, to be honest with you. How many yeah. times does the ball actually go at pace and possibly, mm. you know, in an area where it's, you know, impossible for the keeper? He's waiting. He's actually waiting for the goalkeeper to commit. So, mm. I mean, you know, in that situation, you know, if you look at penalties – how many of them are actually in the bottom corner or the top corner with pace? No, no. Not many because you've got to, as a penalty taker, you've got to have balls to actually do that. 
because it, the area is so small. So, you know, there, there is, you know, keepers will have their, their ways in which they do it and that will be comfortable for them. I know guessing you sort of kind of have a 40% or a 38% chance. Um, I wouldn't say it's 30, I wouldn't say it's, um, you know, three equal chances with the down the middle um, because your legs can always get the, get the sort of the middle part. But I mean, I don't know, it is, it is a bit of a, a conundrum for goalkeepers. I, I would personally, against Bruno Fernandes, I would just wait for him. And he's going to side foot it anyway. And, uh, you know, he, he might actually sort of mess it up, which he started to do recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the keepers to... are catching on. Yeah. They found the keepers are definitely catching on what he's doing. They're catching on. Because even the, that, uh, uh, the, the goalkeeper in that situation, the first one, you could see, you know, his foot of Bruno Fernandes is going to jump. Then he fakes one position, he goes the other. So he literally went to position Bruno Fernandes faked yeah. and then he jumped the other way, saved it. So let, me ask you, let me ask you guys now, like, your sort of opinion on Man United. You know, I think this is sort of, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, mm. this is, you know, that this isn't a Man United that, that's going to finish in the top four if they continue playing like this. You know, it's, yeah. and, you know, it, it's unfortunate because they did do so well after that lockdown and they worked so hard to get into a position where they, I thought, damn, they're back, you know. And yeah, honestly, I don't know, Matt, what do you think uh, in terms of them actually kicking on? Because it, they just don't seem like they can kick on. No, they, they look they, they, they look to be less than the sum of their parts at the moment. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is one of those results that are actually going to do more harm than good. If Silla was here, he'd probably feel the same. Where They've got the three points and therefore Ole's done his job and there's no need to question him for another week. But they haven't improved. They got really lucky. I mean, we've gone through it in detail now. They, they definitely didn't deserve to win the game. Um, I think a fair result probably would have been a draw um, yeah. based on, on everything West Brom did. But it's, it's, they're, they're stagnating. They're just going to keep going in this holding pattern between they'll have a, a week or two of crisis talk. They'll pull off a couple of really dodgy-looking results managed to, to kind of placate the board and Ole will stick around. I think he'll end up being here till the end of the season um, just because I think that's yes. what United are going to do. They're going to yeah, wait. And, yeah, I, I think they're going to be there. He's going to be there till the end. And because I think he'll always do just enough to justify the board, giving him one more week, one more week. And, and it, they're going to finish seventh or eighth. And then, you know, and then they'll replace him in the off season and spend a lot of money again. Cause we, we've talked about it before the pattern, when they don't finish top four, they spend a king's ransom to get back there. And then when they're in the top four, <laughs> that season they spend nothing and collapse. And I think it's it's and they they are aside at the moment. None of the players look to be improving, and they've got some fantastic talent across the squad, but none of them seem to be really stepping up and and kind of be, being more than they were. Which I think is a, an indictment on obviously the feeling within the camp. And I just yeah. think they. They, 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 they're going to keep. Um, they're not going to progress. It's going to be. It's going to be this weird holiday, and which is probably better for the rest of us. You know, I mean, yeah. United <laughs> can't do this. Like Jason said, give him, give him a, give him a new contract, please. I mean, I think yeah, yeah. yeah. The other nineteen clubs will all chip in for it. <laughs> Go fund Sign the other new contract. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but um, to, to, to cap off, gone are the days of those sort of. Um, Skulls penalties where the run-up was like 20 meters and he just smashed the thing one side. Gone, gone are those days. But the next game we yeah, want to talk about, and this is the game that Scott is getting ready to give us facts for. And we'll show them. We'll show your facts, Scott, if you put them up on the screen. 
But yeah. Bonga. You know, <laughs> guys were trying to tell you. They were trying to tell you last week that this was going to happen. And you, you were absolutely adamant that they were losing their minds. Like they knew nothing about football. And yet the result was this. I mean, a couple of talking points. But overall, what is your feeling about all of this? This uh, I don't even know what to call it. Arteta ball. Yeah, look, it is. Yes, watching the game was horrible. And I mean, especially when you when you saw the starting lineup, you thought, okay, maybe there's a bit of hope here. Pulling Aubameyang down the middle, uh, Wilcock behind him. Mm, ah, okay, that was a, a great area for me. Um, Pepe down the wing. He's starting now. Exactly what he wants. And then second off he goes and he decides to go headbutt someone. I, I just, I can't understand it. And I mean, even the bull yeah. to the, I, I think, not that maybe, not, let me not say I completely do not understand it. Maybe I think there's obviously a frustration, probably definitely frustrated in some way or another. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, no, I'm I also, mean. I mean, hearing beforehand, <laughs> I mean, you've got uh, David Louise and, uh, uh, and Ceballos, uh, Beating each other up. I don't know what the hell's happening on that. Uh, but I understand that happens sometimes in the training session. But I mean, yes, as in Arsenal's, uh, what happened with Arsenal, I just don't know. But I mean, let's say talk about the field. Um, Leno definitely kept us in. That guy's not on the field, and we would have lost that game. We also didn't have the up, the left upright, no, the right upright, and the crossbar. Also, we would have been uh, definitely a man of a match again. What, yeah, the those three, those three were our our best players in the game. The right, upright, and the crossbar, and Leno. Um, cool. Everyone else, I think we could have stole it with uh, Saka when he was one on one. Aubameyang passing the through ball, squeezed it through, but yeah, Saka just. And I think one area that guy should work on is finishing because he'll get he'll get many yeah. more like that. But Saka reminds just... me of like a second-hand Sterling when he was at the same age. Ah. Look, I think you're Sterling at when Sterling was that age, he was he was I think he's probably was more dangerous than he is now, one v one. I can yeah. guarantee you that. He he's uh, Sterling was he was a very dangerous player. What is this? Bruno Fernandez twenty-six. <laughs> exactly. Not um, not only that, Scott, Scott, also you've got Son who scored nine goals by himself, and that's the entire amount of goals that Arsenal have scored as a squad this season so far. Another yeah, they, and, and it, they haven't scored a goal from open play since October fourth or something. Yeah, you would have thought that. I so, mean, and more, and, and you know what? Like a Zet, who's a striker, goal, goal going, be, <laughs> goals, goals aren't being scored, and yet he's sitting on bench. Like then you've really got no. to. Like, it's time to start looking for other clubs because your your future is mm. nowhere. No, it's true, and but I do, I don't know what it is. I mean, now you're playing a bombing down the middle, still not taking any shots. Um, and I think teams have figured out if, okay, Arsenal last season, all the goals are coming from who? One man, Aubameyang. Don't let him get the ball. Don't let him see a chance. You're not going to concede. And and that's pretty much working with I many think, of the teams. I think Aubameyang regrets, uh, regrets signing that new contract. Yeah, he's I'm looking sure. like, Are we sure it's <laughs> no, really not... him? Have we checked this out? Because the man is looking like like it's been a rough year. I mean, 2020 has been rough on us all, but I mean, he's basically forgotten how to do his job. You know, <laughs> well, Gabon had him. Gabon had him sleeping on a on a on an airport floor. Um, I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that. And then he had to go back to Arsenal. He was probably one of the few Gabonese players who was asking if there was more time at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. no, man. 
Yeah. Guys, uh, take it easy. Yeah. He, was like, he didn't want to rock up today because he's like, I'm becoming the, ro- the roasting guy. He shows up every week and it's just to get roasted. But if no, you're but- one guy, I want to ask you one thing, though. Is, um, yeah. What are your feelings surrounding the whole Pepe? I mean, Pepe, he starts the game. So you're thinking this is a good opportunity for the guy. He has one mm. or two moments and he's got that in him. Obviously, he's a frustrated figure as it is. Because he hasn't been getting game time, he gets given a chance. And in the game itself, the team's just playing poorly. So he's highly frustrated throughout the game. And then he has the moment of madness that kind of sets your team back a little bit. And arguably, you could say they were better with 10 men than they were with 11 because now they're forced to work a little bit harder. But what are your thoughts about uh, Pepe? Look, when I, Pepe, when he was on the field, he definitely he helped us defensively. Um, and I think that's a good trade, but we need we need him we need him to score us goals. Uh, we need and people we thought he was and uh, yeah, Jason's right. Uh, everyone's asking now. Uh, even uh, Piers mm. Morgan was asking. Uh, I'm not a fan. No, I don't think he's Ozil's yeah. best fan, but he he was asking, <laughs> telling, "Hey, look, we need Ozil. <laughs> um, can watch. Look, everything looks black." But Pepe. Um, sure he's still doing pull-ups there. Don't worry, he'll be ready. I'm about to say the guy. He's, he's ready. He's ready when he needs <laughs> to be called upon. Yeah, but looking at Pepe, I mean, we you buying a player like Pepe for seventy-two million because, and why you spend the money on someone like that um, is because you're thinking one v ones. I mean, that's 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 what you, that's that's what he was there for. Take a man one v one, create a chance for us, or possibly score a goal. And we've seen we've seen him do that in some games. But for me, it's it's, it's when I watch him play, it's just too too many times. Every time he takes on a play, you're just not sure if he's going to retain the ball again. I mean, the last. I mean, now against Leeds, defensively, he did a job for us. I, I can't lie, but again, is, I'm crossing the question: Is he doing enough for us going forward? Uh, does he need? Do we need a a, a a player like Uzel in the middle to maybe support him? Yes, we do. Um, but yeah. I don't think he's going to see that. And coming now, I think. I mean, I've, I've, I've been we, I've been hearing rumors of uh, Ericsson swap for Shaka. So it's it's there's probably. I think it it is in there that they 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 can see it themselves that they need they need definitely creativity in the middle, um, and is that the problem? Uh, I don't know, but I just well, I just think every at the moment I just think everything looks too flat, straightforward. Yeah, and and Abomyang is is literally getting nothing. Games he's finishing mm-hmm. games with zero shots, zero opportunities, yeah. not no crosses, nothing from crosses, just zero. Nah, do you remember? That... Do you remember those last couple of years under Wenger? Where there was yes. that was the constant criticism against Arsenal, where they would have all this really fancy build-up play and they never end up taking any mm. shots, and you could almost draw a massive D around the goal where they pass the ball around and you know yeah. always looks really good. Just really draw a different little... type of D on the pitch for them. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they, but it it almost feels like they've reverted back to that where they 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 attempt to play very attractive kind of build-up play and they've just forgotten what you do when you get there. You know, it's. It's it's um and I think it's it is sad for a player like Aubameyang because we know how good he is. We've seen him. We've seen mm. him when he's when he's uh, got the right service and in the right kind of mood. He's he's unstoppable and he's just nowhere there. He's he's always last couple of years he's been there or thereabouts with the top with the scoring charts and he's just there's nothing and it's it's the entire Arsenal squad. Something's not clicking and yeah, like even uh, it, it if, I, if I look at better, I think. yeah, I, I think yeah, that's also one point going to go through. Like if I look at. Uh, uh, at uh, I don't know why it is like this, but most of these players that come that Arsenal buy from these, uh, like let's say uh, I already mentioned, it, uh, let's say Lechstein as well. He he came to Arsenal, coming good defender, comes there flat. Uh, William as well. Um, 
at times yeah. he looked dangerous. He looked very dangerous. Mm. Bongo, you know what down, it is? Yeah. You know what, what it is? It's the same. It's it's the issue that most of the other clubs are having, all the ones that are struggling to compete at the moment. It's it's the sort of leaders. They're stepping into a sort of culture. A Pepe needed to walk into sort of team where there was strong leadership, where there was some guidance. He's a fairly young yes. player, huge price tag. So he's trying to figure this whole thing out on himself, by himself. And he's not getting guided properly by the coaches or by any of the other players because all the other players on the field are trying to sort themselves out because of the, it's such a mess at the moment. And that's the yeah, sort of yeah. problem is you can get a new signing coming. Look at... We're going to talk about Liverpool because, you know, we have to talk about Liverpool. But, I mean, look at Ajota, for example. Ajota's Mm. walked into a team. He was a good player. He's a great player. But now he's even better because he's walked into a team that are at their highest and the the teammates around him are performing at a certain level. And, unfortunately, your new signings coming into Arsenal, there's a lot of expectation, but there's a little bit of guidance. And, like, if whoever you sign now, you guys are hoping this is going to be the difference for our team as opposed to going, who's going to play with... Aubameyang, how's Aubameyang going to lead these guys? Yeah, sure, he's had his first shot. He didn't get much service on the weekend. But how did he lead that team on the weekend? He yeah, didn't true. lead that think, team. He didn't. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, even if I look at Aubameyang and I just, I, obviously I don't know the guy, but if you look at, the, if you just I mean, follow him on his social networks, he just seems like a, uh, he's a loving and caring guy. I mean, I don't know if he doesn't feel just, you know, he's probably just going to embrace the guy. Hey, come play. Let's play. Have fun. He just seems like that kind of person. I don't think, I just don't see a leadership quality. Maybe they just put the captaincy on him to try and keep him at the club. Um, they've done it before with uh, Cesc Fabregas and all the other guys. Um, so I, I don't, I don't yeah. see why they, this wouldn't be the same thing. And then with what Matt was asking as well, was saying as well about Arteta. Um, yeah, I still think Arteta was the right choice for for the job, and I still think he, he probably is the right person. But again, uh, I, I think at some point you need to start asking questions. Hey, Baba, there's uh, there's no there's no results, um, and yeah, what 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 is happening? Wonga, uh, Scotty asked. Uh, I think we've lost Claudia for a bit there, but. Yeah. Scotty asked about the, I don't know if you saw the incident with Kieran Turney um, at the end of the mm-hmm. game. Um, uh, did you see I that? I just saw them fighting. I just saw them pushing each other. I don't know exactly if I'm not mistaken, was. I think he was sticking up for Pepe. Um, uh-huh. and if I'm not mistaken, was it Alioski from from Leeds he was having a go at? I'm not too sure if it was something to do with sort of racist remarks of some sort. I don't know, Matt. I don't oh. know if you saw the. Instance. I didn't hear what it was about. I saw the scuffle and it was good yeah. to see him step up and get involved. And I think Tierney's one of those players where there's a potential for him to be that leader because he, does, sure. he doesn't yeah. shirk from, from that kind of side of the game. I think sure. Arsenal's problem at the moment is that, they, you know, but it is good to see him get involved, get stuck in. I, I didn't see what, what triggered it. It'd be interesting to, to see what, what actually kicked that off. Speaking about Tierney and he's, that's, that's one player... I think yeah. in all Arsenal team, um, in terms of attitude, um, it's, it's almost similar to to, to Robertson um, in the in the Liverpool team. Um, that guy wants to win a game. He doesn't have to tell you. You can see he wants to win the mm. game. Mm. Um, you can see it, and that's that's what I like in a player like Tyranny. I don't care. Okay, I do kind of care if he can deliver the ball and stuff, but um, <laughs> he, he, he he's got. He's got that driving him that will last from minute zero to to ninety minutes. Um, but I mean, yeah. all in all, sum it up. I think Arsenal definitely we, we were fortunate to and I uh, walk away with uh, with a point there. Um, and I think 
yeah, luck sometimes comes in. And I think that was our day f- uh, for our luck. And I yeah. will take it. I guess yeah, I think Leeds must it. be kicking themselves. I think that yeah, they look are. back on that as points dropped. You know, they, they were up against a 10-man Arsenal. Leeds were at home. They, they probably re- they're probably looking at it now thinking that was our chance. We should have, we really should have taken yeah. that home. Um, no, but, could yeah, which is it's probably not how we all saw. I mean, well, I mean, everyone except Wonga did see this coming, but <laughs> you know, <it's>, <laughs> 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 but like, I, I think, but I think it's what's interesting this season is that there's there's a couple of sides that are there that are gonna actually lay a lot of damage on the big sides and yeah. Leeds, Villa, Everton, you know, they're 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 thereabouts and. If you don't arrive there with exactly the right attitude and, and hit the game properly, you're going to get punished. And I think Arsenal, in a yeah. way, are kind of lucky to have escaped with a point. So, very interesting. Very interesting yeah. indeed, guys. If you... So, the big game. The big game. Claudio, you need to tell us. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys we, play this game? We wrote game? you off, Claudio. We wrote <laughs> you off. I mean, I think no one gave you a chance. You know, we spoke about it in the beginning of the game, uh, or the beginning of uh, pre-match Mooty, and I think we all just said uh, Leicester too much, too much for for depleted Liverpool side. Um, mm. And we spoke before we started here. And uh, how how is anyone going to stop you? How? Yeah, yeah. I don't you know, know. I, f- I find it funny that a couple of people have uh, gone offline now. They they, they don't want to hear this. I wonder if it's Scott. Scott's disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what, what I found very interesting about the whole scenario is basing what I said to you is that, you know, Liverpool in Klopp in particular, what he does really, really well is he knows how to take the, the public opinion and the, the press and the, the, whatever they're saying about the team and the situation they find themselves in. And he knows how to, you know, turn that into a positive for the players. So it doesn't matter if we're league champions or not. He'll tell them, go stick it to those Oaks. They're telling you shit. They're saying without Van Dijk, you can't do anything. And I was like, oh, okay, shit. Well, then without Van Dijk. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Forget about Van Dijk. Without half of the team, they're saying you guys are, you guys are in big shit. So the, all of the other players, and that just shows you like a good team ethos, a good team sort of man management structure, a team that's so well drilled that they can pull off any player that hasn't been playing consecutively and they can slot in for 19 minutes and keep the same level of intensity as your usual starting 11. And that's credit to the way in which they train, to, to sort of the atmosphere within the club and sort of the belief that they're all buying into and the amount of leaders, again, I've mentioned this, that we have in the squad. Before the game, I mentioned, I was tweeting with a couple of the Liverpool fans and one of the guys said, oh no, we got James Milner at right black, blah, 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 blah. And I, <laughs> And I was like, dude, are you smoking your socks? Like, no, I remember this one game. He was awful. I said, listen, if there's no one you got to worry about, is James Milner. He's the most professional yeah. guy I've ever seen. And he was amongst all, I mean, it was hard to pick who a man of the match was on the day. But James Milner, it's like, you know, we didn't even miss Trent. Trent, who's a huge source of our creativity yeah. on the right flank. We didn't even miss him. And what I liked before it as well, before the game, I started tweeting. I said, you know, there's been all this talk about, Bobby Firmino and Jota and who gets a, who gets the nod ahead of who and, 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 and. Mm. And for me, I was going and I was like, you know what? No, Salah, this is a blessing. This is a blessing because in Jota and in Bobby, you've got two of the most intelligent footballers you get currently in world football. So to see them play together, it's going to be exciting. And I think that's what landed up happening was you had mm. two of these guys and there's a different frequency between those two in comparison to when you have a Salah on. Salah is a game changer without a doubt. But Salah yeah. is a great individual game changer. Individual. He'll have moments of spells within the game where he'll be quiet and then he'll do something by himself and bang, we're back in the game. 
Jota is constantly moving. And the fact that he is able to score with his head. But also, let's, let's forget that the goal of the game has to go to, and you guys are all going to think I'm going to say one player. Who, who's the goal of the game going to? Evans. Hey, Wonga's the man. No, Wonga's the man. That header was, be... was whole class. Evans. Back of the head. Who the heck? He knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows what he's doing there. Like, and you know what I find hilarious is that like two seasons ago there was all this talk about. I know I'm probably lagging on my side. I don't know if you guys can see me or if what's yeah. happening. But as long as you guys can, can hear me, you. that's can important because I, I can talk for days about this topic. Um, <laughs> what, what are we talking about? I, I can't even talk. Oh yeah, Evans. Evans. So he was linked with Man City, guys. How like? And I always used to think he was so yeah. shit. And all of a sudden he was linked with Man City. And then I like the fact that when he plays against Liverpool, he shows that he's not very good. That's one thing I like about that. Yeah, I mean, yes, you, know, you said something, Claudio. You said something which was quite interesting about uh, Mourinho and Spurs and how the players are buying into into what you know he he wants for the the team and the squad moving forward. I think you you've proved it now, especially with the win against the, the league leaders, um, essentially, with you know a very depleted squad. If it was ever a moment of you know second guessing or or actually just reaffirming the fact that the players are sort of you know buying into his his way and his methods and and the way he wants the team to go forward i think that would be right now i'm um, speaking yeah. to claudio but he obviously left but i don't know if you agree with me matt wonga i think oh, big time. you know it's just it's just i mean to go and win three nil against a, a really informed leicester squad um, yeah. and pretty much dominate the game they nullified yes. them for minute one and you know i was like I was thinking, should I, I sat down and I was like, this is going to be a good game. It's going to be end-to-end. And it really wasn't. It really wasn't. Leicester no. didn't really pose much of a threat. Um, yeah. You know, there was no space for them to run in behind. I think he had fixed that sort of problem that, he, that he's had in the, in the beginning of the season where, you know, they were pressing quite high up the pitch and there was space for teams to run in behind. And I think he realized that against the Leicester, it might be suicidal to do that and, and rather, rather sit in when you need to sit in and drop off when they need to drop off. Um, yeah. But I, I, I thought it was quite incredible, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was good. It was a testament to the fact that Liverpool, I mean, Cloudy touched on it, but they're a well-drilled machine. And they, they know, again, like you made the comparison with the Mourinho side, I think Klopp has done a fantastic job of getting the entire squad to understand what it is they're attempting to do, who does what. They're also, it's an unfair advantage to have someone like James Milner in the squad because he can do... I'm convinced he can do any job in the world. I reckon. If, goalkeeper. You know, yeah, I reckon if the bus breaks down, he fixes it on the way. If one of the players has a heart attack, he gets in and get does the surgery himself. I just think he's just the most versatile guy in the squad, and and he's, you know, in, if you look at the squad, I reckon he's one of the most important players there because of the influence he has and the professionalism he brings. You know, that we've talked before about the, the the influence that Henderson has on the, the the Liverpool side. I think Milner is another one there who doesn't necessarily play every week, but when called upon, he'll step up having not played four games in a row. He'll step up and be perfect uh, in, in, in whatever it is that he's asked to do. I mean, halfway through the Leicester game, he switched from right back to centre mid. First thing he did was did that through ball for, um, I think it was Mane he put through. I might be wrong. But um, it, it, it was, and it was inch perfect. And he just, he, he switched his game around like that on, on within a matter of seconds. He's just a complete consummate professional. And um, I think that there's, for me, Liverpool are still the favourites for the league. Um, as much as I'm excited about Spurs, and I think Chelsea are going to be there or thereabouts, I think Leicester have still got a lot to show. 
And I, I, I still think that it's Liverpool's to lose in the sense that they have got a lot of injuries, but they've done this before and they're, they're on a, a huge momentum. What is it now? 67 unbeaten games at home? Is that right? Or is it 60? yeah. 60, 64, 64 guys. 64 guys. 64. 64. Oh. And I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. It's my time to that, talk. Let me shine. Let me shine. That's two seasons of football. That's just short yeah. of two seasons of football. That's exactly. unreal. It's huge. Yeah. So, but you haven't mentioned Bobby's goal yet today, Claudio. As much no, as well, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting to it because there, there's a I lot of things to cover here. There's just so much to cover. I don't even know who to talk about. You got Curtis Jones, 19, Curtis Jones, who I've, I've criticised in the past for being young and inexperienced and not knowing about his positioning from a defensive side. He had a great game. He kept the ball moving. Yeah, he, he retained possession. Genie did the business again. We've all got like. Always doing the business. Also, there's rumors about him signing a pre-contract with Barcelona, by the way, because he's been offered a new deal, but he hasn't taken it at this moment in time. We don't know what's happening there. But talking about a cater, for me, the poor guy also just can't get a break. First half, I thought he was one of the better. I said he was a standout for me in the, in the first half. He was pressing high. He was leading everything. And then, you know, he pulls his hammy. And that might be the overage thing that Silo was talking about. Another injury for the guy. Also, just be, be all the, the games that they were playing. But the, the, the second goal that we score with the Jota run, I mean, if you're going to give Robertson one of the best crosses of the ball in the game to date, if you're going to give him that much time and space, you deserve to get punished. But what was great was a guy of that size, Jota, the timing of his run and the, the quality of the finish, also becoming the first player in Liverpool's history to score four consecutive, four goals, consecutive home games. The only pity about all of this is that there were no fans in the stand. I can only imagine when the fans are allowed back, the sort of reception a player like that's going to get. He's been huge. I mean, let's think yeah. about Jota. And we've got to talk about signings of the season so far. You've got a Jota versus a Hoiberg. I know they're different sort of things, doing different things for the, yeah. the team, but the impact on both those sides has been huge. But Jota yeah. came in with everyone going, no, he's just going to be backup. He's going to be backup. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're all like, well, how are we going to fit this guy into the team? Because he's that phenomenal. Well, so, I mean, you're the only one who's asking how are we going to fit him in because you're so scared of dropping Bobby. The rest of the world is going, well, he's in the side and Bobby can what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually personally, I, I could go another game without Salah, to be honest. Uh, people well, are going to be thinking, it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at it, I mean, half, it, was, it wasn't even half time. I think it was 60 minutes. I think it was just before the, the third goal. They had 20 shots on target, and t no, 10 shots on target, 20 goal attempts. That, uh, that, yes, uh, that's 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 rampage. And this, yeah. who the hell with Leicester? Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. So it's just like those guys were—they were really hungry. Vardy, Vardy had Vardy had 12 touches in the entire game. Their their most lethal player only got 12 touches. And then when you're looking at our defense, our two center backs in Fabinho and Matip, guys are going, "Oh, slow defense, you know. We play a fairly high line, you know. They're going to punish us." Like was there were nowhere to be seen. Yeah. They were completely. Yeah, but I was saying, I was saying when you jumped off, uh, Claudio. I think from what I saw is that I don't think he played that suicide line anymore. I think it's. I don't think it. It mm. was sort of, um, no. you know, necessary to go with a makeshift back four, and you know they dropped off when they needed to drop off, and they sat in when they needed to sit in. And I mean, if you're going to give a team, I mean, Leicester are arguably one of the best counter-attacking teams. They've proved it this season. Um, you know to date uh, after nine games, they score majority of their goals like that. Um, you know, he nullified that completely. And, you know, that's what I said to you. Is Klopp going to be so so stagnant in, in, I mean, they got hurt by Villa by playing that way. Is he going to be hard-headed and narrow-minded to think that he can play like that and win the league? 
or is he going to be flexible and maybe change it up? And he proved it. He, he was flexible and he, he can. He changes it up when he needs to change it up. And yeah. and I'm glad for, for your sake because you absolutely, you murdered them. A 3-0 win is a, is a hiding. Well, also, bear in mind, it was a 3-0 win, but Schmeichel actually had a blinder of a game. He made yeah. some really yeah. good games. And, and he, yeah. you know, it, I think it could have been a lot worse. And, and yeah. you know, I, I think sometimes, Schmeichel's one of those keepers where, when you talk about the best keepers in the league, he's often doesn't make the list. We don't think of him, it's not top of mind. But he's actually solid. He's a really good keeper. Yeah. And I think he showed it, he showed it this weekend. I think Liverpool could have had a lot more. Um, yeah, if, yeah. If yeah the 3-0 the, the scoreline wasn't flattering at all at the end of the day no, for, no. for Leicester. Yeah, 100% correct there. But that, the, yeah. this, the best part about all of this was that performance, despite everything that was said building up to the game, was Liverpool's best performance this season. And one of the most interesting things about all of that was our, the player who's been our best the entire season in a money was the one that probably had the off game of the day. Yeah. So it just shows you that yeah. when you've got when you've got the right dynamic and the hunger within the squad, players are fighting for places here. They're seeing, regardless of the first team players are out, the others are going, shit, we're going to step up and we're going to really make a name for ourselves because if we don't, we're not going to play for the rest of the season. So from that perspective, it was great. I think Klopp came out saying at the end, he had to go to all the broadcasters saying how greedy the Premier League is, how greedy the broadcasters are because it's not just a Liverpool perspective, but the amount of injuries that are happening for all the sides – I mean, Leicester yeah. in, in themselves, the amount of injuries they had building up to this game, the amount of defenders that you guys have injured at Spurs, Matt, this is all, it's somewhat getting a, a bit ridiculous. We had an unnamed player that no one, I had guys asking me who this player was. I can't even remember who he was. He was on our bench, a 19-year-old who had a good weekend with the train with the first team while everyone was wearing internationals and he made the bench. So Klopp mm. is saying, you guys are risking the quality of the product because of how greedy you're getting in terms of the amount of games you guys are playing currently. And for me, it's just not a sustainable solution for the time, which is ridiculous. We know the sort of climate in terms of what it's, everything's happening. These guys are people, and people, when you get put under stress, regardless of how well-conditioned you are, your bodies are going to find different things. And if you're already aching yeah. and, and breaking in like a form of a cater, the guy came out possessed first half. He pushed harder than I've seen him do his entire, his entire career. Absolutely desperate to make an impact for this Liverpool side. And now he's out again for another minimum six weeks. Good news, though, yeah. for everyone else out there, or <laughs> well, mainly every other Liverpool fan out there. Henderson's back. He's coming back. Thiago's coming back. Asala's coming back. So for us, getting the result that we got, come back. Wonga, yeah. Wonga, Wonga, Wonga. Let me know your thoughts. It's game over. That's what my thoughts were. <laughs> now he's got to figure out who's going to finish second, third, or fourth. But it's game over. I feel like it's just going to be a repeat. Well, obviously, it won't be the same as last year. But, ah, I mean, after that performance, jeez, I just... I mean, even against Aston Villa, where they got pumped, I think... Like, Aston Villa, I mean, there were, like, four goals that were deflected in, you know, like, okay, horribly deflected in. And I think that added to that, but... Ah, just something like that's not going to happen again. Not against Liverpool. And well, let's the point to the fact now, that the last time, last time Liverpool got punished like that by a Villa, they end up going to win the European Cup and the league. So these sort of things yeah. happen to two sides for for the best of them in the end, I suppose. And it's just a bit of a wake up call to remind you that you know you're not invincible. And if we talk about how the season ended, was they had an incredible run and they got complacent yeah. because no one was challenging them. Now they got their backs were put against the wall. And they had to show up, and they did. 
And that's kind of what yeah. Klopp's about and the ethos of the club is at the bar. And also what Liverpool is as a, as a community. That's what, that's what the fans are about. So it's all aligning. I think, um, and the fans are coming back. Oh, and the fans are coming back. So, Matt, what you mentioned in terms of you know, Liverpool currently having already gone through the test of facing a City, a Chelsea, Everton and the likes of, and Spurs having to do that, that's possibly going to be the defining point through all of this. December is going yeah. to be so crucial as to deciding who and what does what. Nick, well, yeah. how do you think this is going to pan out after December? Oh, December is always the, the critical sort of phase, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. you know, it's a make or break for most people's season. I mean, if you look at the bottom of the table, generally, if you, you bottom of the log, you are going to get relegated. If you're at the top of the log, you've got a great chance. Um, I just have this feeling that this year is going to be very different. I think we're going to see, or well, this season in general, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of change. Um, it's still a very erratic season. Uh, especially mm. with the results, you know. I think you, your term, Matt, the other day was quite, um, quite uh, surreal in the sense where you know you said the league needs to sober up a little bit, and I'm not too sure if it has yet properly. Um, no, and it's true I that I mean, you know, you we are a weekend away from you know we we are a Christmas period away from mad results because you know, Claudia, you're talking about injuries, you know. If yeah. we, Complain about injuries now. It's it's, it's not going to get any better, I don't think. Um, no, unfortunately, because yeah. I mean, FA Cups are around the corner. There's League Cup uh, quarterfinals um, in in December, which my team's in. <laughs> by the way, we're playing Brentford, so we might get to a semi final. Um, we've got we've got European fixtures this week, next week, and the week after. So I mean, there's still a lot of football to be played, and I do think by Christmas. I mean, are you asking me for a prediction? Uh, how it's going to pan out? I, I, I'm asking after Christmas. Um, Wonga's already writing it off saying it's this is Liverpool's in the bag. Look, I, Liverpool's I result was a huge statement. I think it's Spurs' in the bag. I did it, it a few weeks oh. ago. The reason why, um, there's something with Mourinho in his second season. It just, it just, uh, I saw something again today. He just he turns it on and he, he ends mm-hmm. up finishing first. And uh, I'm supporting your kind. I'm supporting the Potters here. Uh, I'm telling you, I think that he's gonna he's gonna win it for Portugal, if that means anything. So if he's gonna win it for Portugal, he's gonna resign and then take over Portugal as a national side and compete in the Euros and then win it for Portugal. Not not for the Premier League. That doesn't count. <laughs> but tell me, Claudio, my, I wanted to ask you: Do you think Klopp's gonna go for the, the the Champions League this year? I think. Do you think last year? Falling short against Atletico was or last season was uh, was something that you needed to cheers cheers Scotty cheers Scotty thanks for joining us you absolute legend enjoy work cheers, mate. do you think ultimately you could have gone further do you think that possibly hurt hurt the fans the I know you won the league um, but do you think he's going to go for both this season could he do a buy think, I don't look I think when you're a guy like Klopp or I can I always empathize with anyone by always placing myself in that situation. And I know how competitive I am. And I think if anything's up for grabs, you've always got to go for it regardless. Um, you've got to manage yeah. it day by day to get yourself in the right sort of situation. At this moment in time, we're flying in the Champions League. So I don't see why not. And also, the further you go, the more money you make. And let's also sure. not forget that with regards to COVID, a lot of rebates have to happen back to the broadcasters. Another reason why Spurs are also in the debt right now is because yeah. a lot of shit's got to be paid back. So the further, it's, it's very crucial for Liverpool to go as far as they can in a Champions League, just financially speaking. 
But I do think it's going to be a sort of a manic period in the Premier League where it's not going to be... We're going to see more shocked results. I think the only thing... I think mm. the season, like you said, is geared up for Mourinho because we were talking, well, I was talking, saying this is going to be the season about who outscores who and that's how they're going to win. But I don't think that's the case anymore. I think when you're looking at a Chelsea and you're looking at a Spurs, it's going back to a 2004 where it's if you concede the least amount of goals in this crazy yeah. period where everything's gone out the window... If you're going to win by one nil, you're getting the points on the board. And technically speaking, if you if you if we're looking deeper into a Spurs sort of scenario, where they there were two games in which they conceded really really late dodgy goals, so add those points on the board, and they already have a four point gap technically. Yeah. So they're not messing around. So mm. it's going to be an interesting scenario. So for Liverpool, injuries are going to be a big player. Rotating the squad is going to be huge. But if anything's proved by Sunday is that we have got players capable. The only problem is when we stick with our, our starting 11 again. So say everyone's fit, apart from the, the serious injuries, of course. But the other guys start coming back and you start playing the same players. Then the guys on bench start switching off naturally. When they come off, the impact might not be as great. Right now, everything's worked out perfectly because the narrative's been there. And I think Brendan Rodgers came out complaining, saying, stop building this, this bullshit narrative around Liverpool. Because we had just as many injuries. They're still a great side with all these injuries. The only if, if we've got to look at the players man for man, the players we had playing were still phenomenal. The only right. one thing is if you've got to look at you've got a 19 year old who started in the midfield, we're like, huh. But the other guys were all great. They just weren't the regular starting players in those sort of positions. So yeah, yeah Liverpool are just geared mm-hmm. for, you know, if they if things just work out, you know, all these things have to fall into place. You gotta to have sure. to VAR's gotta be on your side. I mean, talking about Bobby Firmino and his goals, the goal that didn't cross the line by I think 10 millimeters that is the closest by two dates that a goal has not been given in terms of how far the ball was actually over the line that was actually far further than the the city incident where he came close to scoring against him as well so the poor guy I think at that point everyone was going this poor guy is completely jinxed but in the end yeah. he, he got his goal he's got his goal and you saw what happened when he scored how everyone celebrated with him and how happy the bench were and I think, again, it takes another huge lift off his back and it justifies the, the, yeah. the reason for him being there. It at least quietens the media a little bit. All, us, all the Liverpool fans know why he's in the team. Um, the the not-so-knowledgeable Liverpool fans start questioning. I think Jason, for example, said, you find a way to put him in the team. You're making him a number 10. You play all yeah. four of them. Because Jeep yeah. is Jota, such an intelligent player. Bobby, mm-hmm. intelligent. You've got Salah, who's athletic and good in one-on-one. Mane is good and athletic. But the other two, they're the brains, man. They're the yeah. brands, and you can afford you can afford to have two workhorses covering the, the the defenders in front there, and then have the creativity up front. You can afford that, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I like how you've mentioned. I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, guys, but I like how you've mentioned Nick that you know Klopp has shown he's adaptable. I think that result against Aston Villa was a mm-hmm. bit of a freak incident. He played his his normal way. They just had a really off day. I think, and it wasn't just one player who had an off day. It was the complete opposite of what happened on Sunday, where everyone had an on day. Sure. Everyone just had an off day on that day. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time to be a Liverpool fan. I'm happy. It's not so good to be an Arsenal fan. Nick, it's also it's, it's a usual to be a, a Newcastle fan. But again, for, for Matty, Matinho, very, very, very Yay. good time to be a Spurs fan. And that, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that's going to be us for today's show. Any final words before we go, lads? Um, may God bless my team this week. Hopefully we can try and get a point. I'll be very chuffed with a point. <laughs> that's a saddest way to sign off. We've got to do something else. We can't end the show like that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, no, that's why I went first. That's why I went first. 
Yeah. Yeah. Arsenal yeah. 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 top, <laughs> top four. I'm going to go with uh, Spurs at top of the league so I'm going to echo Donald Trump and say stop the count finish it now let's just give it away <laughs> <laughs> alright guys um, for those of you who are in the Champions League enjoy the games enjoy the football and remember this is the cool down so if you don't know what to be this week be cool <laughs> peace